TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Speaking of which, we have a veteran in studio with us, the VFWs, Miss Kayla Kada Kelleher. Kada, how how often do people say Kayla instead of Kada? Uh, pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because of that K-E-L at the, the last yeah, name, the yeah. Kelleher thing. Did you know that you can stream the Olympics for free? I did not. Any veteran who was given an honorable discharge, you may know, is now able to shop online at the exchange, right? ShopMyExchange.com. Yes. If you have an account there, you can actually log in to NBC's apps and view it through streaming on there. So the Olympics are at your fingertips. If you're a veteran, you can find out more about that and exactly how to do it by visiting ConnectingVets.com. But as I mentioned, Kata Kelleher from the VFW is here in studio with us. She's joined us once before, and now she's here with us again to talk about a very important issue. But just to refresh those who may not have heard the first time that you visited, let's just briefly talk about who Kata Kelleher is. Where'd you serve? When'd you join? What'd you do? I joined the Marine Corps in 2007, spent five years in uh, the Corps as a combat correspondent, did one tour in Afghanistan in 2010 before I got out in 2012, and now I work with the legislative department over at the VFW covering healthcare policy. One of my fellow Defense Information School graduates. We did yes. the same job, just in different services. Mine was simply in the better service. Oh. <laughs> Go Navy. All right. Anyway, Kata <laughs> uh, is involved with uh, so much when it comes to legislation at the VFW, and one of the uh, the big policy issues that's taking place right now and the big discussion that's been continuing for so long in the veteran community with it seems stops and starts on any sort of movement in any one direction is the issue of medical marijuana. Should it be researched? Can it be researched? Can it be recommended by doctors at the VA? We've seen a little bit of change in the last year or so on this, but I think people are hoping to see a little bit more one way or the other. So, Kata, give us the the overview of exactly where we stand on medical marijuana as it relates to veterans right now. Yeah, I think saying a little change is uh, pretty spot on because it's been very little. Um, so over, over the last year, and I wouldn't even say the last year, the last few months, there's been a lot of discussion originally with what are VA doctors allowed to discuss with patients who live in states where medical marijuana is legal? Uh, we've we've made some progress on that, as in we've gotten a little bit of clarity right. on what the doctors are allowed to discuss with their patients. Uh, next step for VFW and other veteran service organizations is getting us to a point where VA is actually doing research on effects of medical marijuana Um Particularly of interest for VFW, we want to see it for oncology patients, chronic pain patients, and of course, behavioral health, so PTSD and other behavioral um, issues that come along with that. Uh, we want to make sure that it's a federally funded study. We know there's a lot of studies that have been done by states, and hence why we have, I think we're up to 30 states where it's legal right. now. Uh, so we need some federal research, right? That's like the the gold star of approval. Exactly. And we need to make sure that that study is including veterans. Um, there's currently three federal studies going. They're not going very well. Uh, that is due to a lack of usable marijuana, um, hmm. which 
blew my mind. So there's only one legal grower for federal studies, right. and that's in Mississippi of all places. Seems odd. Yeah, they have horticulture students at the University of Mississippi growing medicinal marijuana. Um, and the THC count in that marijuana is so low, it's not actually usable for mm. research purposes. <laughs> and because it's so low and not usable, it's not being shipped very frequently. So they have to ship the oldest weed that they have. So by the time researchers get their shipment, it's moldy and even more unusable. Wow. Um, so that'll be another hurdle we'll have to figure out once we get to the point where we get VA actually doing the research. Uh, the, the way we read the law and the way a lot of members of Congress and the Senate read the law, um, VA is authorized to do Schedule 1, which is what marijuana is, research. They're, they're just not. Yeah. Um, so back in October, uh, Representative Walls, who's the ranking member of the House Committee of Veterans Affairs, sent VA Secretary Shulkin a letter pretty much saying like, Hey, what's up? Why aren't why aren't you doing this? What are your barriers internally? What are external barriers? Uh, is is there a reason you're not actually studying this? Because the secretary has said multiple times he he supports research and any form of basically researching alternative therapies. Right? We do have this huge opioid crisis, and I mean I think it's just a cultural push forward right now. Yeah. Um, and this is, it's interesting because I just heard you talk about Schedule 1, which I was told for the longest time was one of the main barriers for the VA conducting research. But then I thought about that a little bit and said, well, wait a second, heroin, opium, that's Schedule 1, but they've done plenty of research on that because they're prescribing opioids hand over fist every day. So yeah. uh, is that not the case? Can they actually do research on Schedule 1? Yes. So also to clarify, opioids aren't Schedule 1. Um, I thought they were. No. Oh, okay. I, I can't tell you off the top of my head what they are. So schedule one is strictly for drugs that don't have any medical benefit. Um, so even like, I don't want to get too into the weeds on all those, right. but like cocaine isn't even schedule one, which is crazy right, Because to think there about. are uses for yes, it. I mean, medical, there, yeah, uses. medical uses. Um, and, and there is a synthetic version of marijuana that has a patent. So only one company can make it. And that is schedule two as well. But wow. sticking to Schedule 1, um, you can't walk into any VA and do Schedule 1 research. And it's very common for the federal government to keep it a little more hush what facilities they have that are Schedule 1. Hmm. Um, but they do have facilities that are capable. Um, so Secretary Shulkin responded very late to the ranking member of the House Committee of Veteran Affairs and was like, hey, there, there's gray area. He wasn't very clear um, on yeah. why they're not doing it. Um, so everybody can decide for themselves why they think that is. But after the pushback from Congress, uh, we did find out that allegedly uh, the secretary has started sending providers and researchers within VA that he thinks have the capability of doing that research to start getting um, the approval and credentials that would re be required, which right. is... I would assume a pain in a huge bureaucratic. <laughs> a huge bureaucratic pain at the VA? No yeah, way. And I mean, it would be anywhere <laughs> in the government. It wouldn't just be VA, right? I mean, all these other places trying to get approval that don't have Schedule 1 authority, trying to get their approvals through like DEA. I mean, hmm. 
Yeah, there's there's an ATF. There's yeah, all sorts of other investigations that get involved, or organizations, I should, yeah. should say, not investigations, <laughs> that get involved in the uh, the medical marijuana issue, which we're speaking about with Kata Kelleher from the Veterans of Forum Wars, uh, who works on policy over there and, and works on legislation. And this is an interesting thing because the Secretary of the VA, David Shulkin, we have him on record. I remember when mm-hmm. we first started doing the show in June, he was saying like, hey, you know, he was telling people I'd love to be able to research uh, marijuana, but we just can't. Now we have, I mean, there's a story on military.com that says Shulkin VA can study marijuana, but won't. So which is it? I mean, six months ago, seven months ago, he's saying, well, I'd love to do it, but we just can't. There are rules precluding us. Now he's saying, well, we can do it, but we're not going to do it. Tim Waltz asked him exactly why. And the answers are kind of, it's interesting. Why would he change his opinion on that? Is, is there any kind of, uh, outlook that the VSOs have or that the VFW has on why Secretary Shulkin would seem in this case to be talking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I think that there's probably a lot of confusion on his part as well, um, whether it's coming from the administration putting pressure on him or just the secretary. I mean, he's a doctor and he's a he's a great doctor at that, uh, but he's, he's pretty new when it comes to politics and law. Well, I want to say laws. I don't want to you know, right. undermine him by him. But he's he's new he's new to the DC yeah. arena, um, which in many ways is probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe he's trying to better understand exactly what his authorities are, what VA has the capabilities of doing, or if there is administrative pressure. Because uh, but by the time that Congress did receive the letter physically from VA, it was the day after the Attorney General. Uh, put out his release in January that yeah. he wanted to crack down on yeah. marijuana. And he's a big, um, well, I, I guess a teetotaler. You could say he's a, he's a very anti-marijuana guy. We've mm-hmm. seen that uh, from him throughout his career, Jeff Sessions. Do we think that that had an influence? I mean, there's I, probably no way to prove that there was any conversation between the two of them, but I could see a situation where the attorney general says, well, if the VA works on this and, and starts doing it, if a federal government uh, medical organization, which is the largest medical organization, uh, medical health care provider in the nation starts doing this, that just opens some floodgates. So I could see how they might think that, but do we have any, any proof or is it just kind of assumptions at this point? I mean, there, there's no proof, and if that is the scenario, I think the important thing to to highlight is that nobody in the veteran service organization world is asking for VA to start handing out medical marijuana cards, right? right. We're, we're not asking for free access. We're not asking for prescriptions. We're, we're asking and essentially demanding that we get some research. Uh, VA's done great when it comes to their opioid safety initiative. Um, nobody in the United States is where they need to be yet, but VA is prescribing opiates at about half the rate of the private sector. Mm. And VA's long been leads for when it comes to research. I mean, you want to talk about certain vaccines, you want to talk about diabetes treatments, all all these great things that are so crucial to the healthcare system in our country and in the world. Uh, VA's led the way. So we think it's only responsible and the right thing to do to start looking at doing this research and moving forward. And once we have actual empirical federal data, then analyze that and figure out what the next step is. Is this viable? Should should maybe we start furthering the discussion on the legalities of it and prescribing? Or is this something that doesn't necessarily have the data? We don't know until we have that golden stamp of federal research. Yeah. I mean, you can't 
<laughs> you, you can't really make a decision until the research is done. The research can't be done because, as you said, the one uh, grower that the federal government is authorized to use in Mississippi is uh, growing marijuana that's, one, uh, not strong enough to be valid for a study. Two, when they get it, it's old, so it's moldy, as you were saying. I mean, this is almost like it's a bit of a uh, a little circular argument that seems like it's just going to keep going round and round. So I guess the big question that, that I have, and I think most people would have, of uh, those people like the VSOs who are out there uh, working for veterans' rights and working for the betterment of veterans' lives is, what do we do to change this? Is there a way forward? Do we have a clear path that the VFW sees to at least get this looked at properly? Yeah. So right now, I think we're trying to hit the target in two different ways, right? See whatever works best, I guess. Uh, one, myself personally, I, I think it would be great if we could do this without legislation. It would mm. be much easier. Um, so continue working with VA and continue putting pressure on them and just nagging and nagging and nagging, saying, hey, where are we at, uh, to hopefully move forward with the study since, well, the study, I say, like we have one with a study that we want mm -hmm. um, as, as we continue progressing. And while we're doing that, hoping, crossing our fingers, that VA wants to work with us and actually get a study going, also look at what the options are when it comes to legislation. So I know there are multiple members um, in both the House and Senate who have started working on some draft legislation to propose that would outline exactly what the study needs to consist of and it would tell VA by law, like, hey, you guys have to do this study. Mm. So so I guess we're just trying to take both avenues and see see which one we end up having to use. It's also interesting, and we're speaking with Kata Kelleher from the Veterans of Forum Wars about the debate raging around America, medical marijuana as it applies to veterans and the VA specifically. Uh, there's a lot of interesting conversations I know within various veterans groups and VSOs, and I imagine within the VFW at the headquarters level as well, which hopefully you can speak to, where as a VFW member myself, uh, there are... Uh, age differences and within those age differences there are differing opinions on marijuana people of my generation your generation a little bit more open typically to uh, the possibility of medical marijuana the legalization of marijuana things like that older generations which make up the vast majority of organizations like the vfw tend to be a little bit more reticent uh, because of you know, previous uh, notions about what marijuana is. I mean, Reefer Madness, anybody who's seen that movie, uh, basically marijuana turns you into a career criminal is what it what they used to teach you. Um, has there been a lot of discussion on the marijuana issue within the VFW as far as the membership and the leadership? And, and what, have, uh, what has the VFW come to as far as a consensus on the issue, if there is any? Yeah, so first, I'd like to say, um, there, there have been surveys done that show 90% of the veteran population support medical marijuana and research on it. Mm. So that, that number was crazy to me. I thought that was much higher than I anticipated it being. Um, so back in every July, the VFW has our national con convention. Sorry, I always want to call it the conference, but it's not. <laughs> so we have our national convention every July. And at the convention, we pass resolutions, which is completely completely membership-based, right? Um, so in July, membership did pass a resolution on medical marijuana and doing federally funded research that includes veterans. Uh, so since then, it's been a priority for me to work on because that's what the, the grassroots, what our members want me to be doing. Um, 
So we don't necessarily get pushback. I, I, I've seen anecdotally um, some older generation of veterans having uh, a bit of weariness. And right. I wouldn't say that's that they as individuals are opposed to marijuana. Right. Um, I've seen some worry come from people um, with the stigma associated with veterans using drugs mm. from older generations, particularly from like Vietnam. Right. Um, but at the same time, I have a lot of Vietnam era veterans come up to me like it saved my life or yeah. it's cut out all of my pain or it's really helped me with my flashbacks. You know, there, there's like I said, 90 percent of veterans are in support of it, which is just crazy to me. And I think it's interesting that you bring up Vietnam, which uh, as the World War II veterans are, are leaving us uh, every day and there are fewer and fewer of them around, Korean veterans, same situation. The Vietnam veterans in many cases have kind of taken the lead at a lot of the VSOs and uh, marijuana was pretty prevalent in Vietnam, which I think for some of them, uh, that was a negative thing. They saw some of the negative effects that it could have on morale and uh, negative effects on people wanting to do things I've heard from various yeah. Vietnam veterans. But I think that was the first generation where it became kind of less stigmatized and a little bit more common and they were a little bit more familiar with it. Uh, do you think it's a coincidence that as the Vietnam veterans have kind of come into their own as leading the VSOs, that it's also become a, a, a larger issue or does it just coincide with the fact that the public has also kind of had this this change of heart on it in many, many ways? Yeah, I think it's I think it's both. Like you said, with the public's change of heart. Um I mean, regardless of if you're a veteran or not, I think that that change came from that that era. Um, people who were more our age, I guess you could say, right. back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. So now it's, and this is in my opinion, um, just became kind of a more normalized thing. Uh, so we've been having pushes for more research because it's been done at so many different state levels. And we know foreign countries have done all this research. I mean, there's some countries that are prescribing to troops. It's crazy. Uh, so as as the, the dare, I guess, <laughs> um, vision of don't smoke up any marijuana or else you're going to be a criminal and you're going to end up in jail and you're going to do all the heroin and die. As that stigma has kind of gone away and people have been like, oh, but you can... You can use cannabis to make soap and do all these other things. The clothing, hemp, yeah, right? I mean, there's all I this mean, stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's craziness. Um, I definitely think that's had an effect. And then I think people who are more post 9-11 are just much more open-minded to it and have clearly at least experimented with it or in you know more than half the states, they probably got an illegal marijuana card or they live somewhere where it's recreational. There's also the issue of CBD oil. I mean, that using another thing where it's not psychoactive. It doesn't have any of those effects that people oftentimes uh, conflate with everything related to marijuana. Uh, it's not psychoactive, but works as an anti-inflammatory. And I, I know a lot of people, I know professional fighters who swear by the stuff and say like, this This works for me better than anything else that I can take. It has no negative effects on me. Uh, and that's something that's, that's you know, legal yeah. now. You can do that. Oh, but yeah. There, right. there are ways of looking at this, I think, that are outside of the box where it also doesn't need to be uh, when it comes to medical marijuana. They, I think people get this image of like an army of veterans just mm -hmm. sitting there smoking up every day and mm -hmm. kind of sitting back watching cartoons no, and eating Cheerios. But there's, there's more to it than that. There's so many options, so many options. And even I'm still learning them. Um, with the CBD oil, even my grandma uses it. There you go. <laughs> uh, my grandma has chronic pain. She's like 85. Um, her options are very limited. 
and she was sick of essentially being high on painkillers all the time. So my 85-year-old grandmother got on Google, and she swears by it's called Spider's Web. Oh, there you she go. gets a trip to her in New York from Colorado. <laughs> uh, but there are there's so many options. There's there's oils. There's the the synthetic stuff. Um, CBD is known, I, I believe, to be more positive for chronic pain in oncology. Which, right. but again, it takes away the psychoactive part of it, yeah. um, which we're hearing from a not a lot. I don't want to say, but many more majority members, so Republicans. Uh, be more open to that because they're like, hey, if you're not getting high, yeah. that could be a positive. It's yeah. like, yeah, there's lots of options and we definitely want to make sure to be inclusive of all of those options in a study, right? We, we, we're we not talking about having a study strictly for passing out joints, um, though there there should be research on smoking, uh, but there does need to be stu- um, research done on the synthetics and on the CBD oils and all of the array of options. Right. And there's a- edible forms yeah, of yeah, it now, like, yeah. like gummy candies and things like that, Jolly which ranchers. tend to be more potent even than smoking yeah. it. So uh, even more effective than uh, smoking, which, you know, smoking overall is, as time goes on yeah. has more and more of a negative connotation to yeah. it, whether you're talking about cigarettes, marijuana, um, it, it's, there are various avenues and options and it's something that Listen, I know many veterans who use it for various reasons, some of them just because they like it and it's legal where they are, like in Washington, D.C., for example. Mm-hmm. Others who, who use it to deal with uh, various issues that they have, like PTSD, various pain issues that they have, uh, and they're self-medicating, which can lead to problems. Mm-hmm. I think when you're self-medicating, uh, you are not necessarily going about things the right way whereas we if we do have medical professionals involved that's kind of the key here isn't it to have medical professionals making sure that those who are going to use it and they're going to use it anyway trust Mm -hmm. me are doing it the right way isn't that kind of the goal yes i absolutely agree i think it is borderline unethical medically irresponsible for providers to not at least be having discussions with their patients uh again not saying that va providers should be out prescribing but they need to be able to have that open and honest conversation with their patients about everything that they are doing to self-medicate. Um, and, and I thought it was absurd before when there wasn't as much clarity that you could have a veteran patient walk into VA and talk about their alcoholism, yep. right? But they, but they if, weren't allowed if, to talk yeah, about marijuana. And, you know, they realistically were like going and saying like, hey, yeah, I smoke a bowl if I have a bad flashback or whatever they they eat edibles they order spider's web like my grandma uh but the doctor wasn't allowed or they felt like they weren't allowed or really dependent on the provider to one discuss how much you're using which ways are you consuming blah 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 and then actually put it into their medical record and system i mean that's absurd it's medically irresponsible right uh not to know what is going on with the overall holistic health of your patient As we mentioned at the top of this interview, there has been a little bit of movement. And one of the good things is that VA doctors are now allowed to discuss the issue with patients. They weren't before, as insane as that may sound. But there's a lot of insanity going on around this issue when uh, there seems to be a very clear path forward. And I'm thankful that there are people like Kata Kelleher and the VFW out there working for veterans and trying to get this issue straightened out and try to get things looked at just pragmatically and logically. 
That's all we're asking for here. Not asking for everybody to be getting a, a free joint when they walk into the VA, just have them on a tray when you walk in the door. It's not about that. It's about helping veterans. And that's what the VFW is all about, whether they're veterans of foreign wars or not. They are out there working for all veterans. And Kata Kelleher represents the VFW when it comes to legislation, policy. Kata, if people want to find out more about the VFW, more about their stance on this issue, where can they go to do so? Uh, they can go to our website, www.vfw.org. That is the website, and that's the place where you can find out about what they offer, including their veteran service officers, find out more about their stance on marijuana, and oh, so much more. Kata Keller, thank you so much for joining us on The Morning Briefing. Thank you for having me. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.